$50 slice of cheese off of like a $10,000 wheel of cheese. <laughs> and you made a fucking grilled cheese it sandwich. Was it was amazing. Shit. And it was the best grilled cheese I've ever had in my entire life. <sighs> There's probably like a French person somewhere who wants to literally kill you for doing that. <laughs> I hope so. What are uh, you doing? So maybe the- <laughs> Why did he get drunk? <laughs> Why did he drink? Why? Why did he drink four <laughs> bottles of wine? You know the cheese is there to like negate that. Right, he didn't do any of it. Yeah, right. Well, and like, if it's a wine tasting, like he said, it was a virtual yeah, wine tasting. So, I does that mean? So, I I take it that's like the same as a normal one, only you do it through like Zoom or whatever. Yeah. So we're like his coworkers, just like, what are you doing? Like, why are you making grilled cheese? And <laughs> they just did. They just saw him like get yeah, like a fucking pitcher of, and just like pour the wine into that and just start chugging it. Everyone, everyone else has got like their little tasting glass and they're, yeah. you know, smelling it and taking a little yeah, sip, yeah, taking a little bite of cheese. And... Max is Max. Matt is Matt is drinking straight out of the bottle and making a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> it got away from me tonight, man. You're like, naked was... again. Put some clothes on. <laughs> Who are you talking to? <laughs> I'd be talking to, like Max or something. My child. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. My name is Kyle Bird. I am your host, and uh, join me is my co-host. Matt Parmley. Uh, who has been acting a goddamn fool all night. Um, <laughs> we're joined here by uh, our friend Tom, who everybody knows at this point. Say hello. Woo! Yes. Basically uh, Tom Tober. Uh yeah, I guess. Uh we were, Yeah, we we were supposed to record this like a month ago and then <clears throat> a certain someone kept being like, "Oh, I, I don't know." It was, Ooh, it was I got to I got to I got to make sure Kaiju Masterclass goes off and well <laughs> and <laughs> people have fun and it's interesting and informative. Um and also, uh, we are joined by our... What the hell was that? Just keep going. <laughs> okay, we're joined by our, our resident Ultraman expert, Mr. Connor Anderson. 
Hello. And you can find him uh, his ultra blog. Where can where can the people find your blog? Ultra blog. You can you can find me at uh, kaiju compendium design blog um, or Easter's kaiju compendium. I just got the uh, Ultra Mantaro section updated, and I'm working on a special Chayo section now, oh, which should be a lot go. of fun. A couple a couple brief things to uh, I guess discuss. Um, this is. I, for any any listeners that uh, are coming here from Kaiju Masterclass, um, I apologize in advance. Um, <laughs> but thanks to everyone that tuned in over the weekend. Uh, that was uh, a whole lot of Zoom meetings and emails and hard work that was able to put that together. And uh, I think we I think we did pretty good. I think it was a, a. I think it was a successful event, and if people I missed, it was awesome. and if people, well, if people missed anything, it's going to be on YouTube forever. So that's the cool thing about the virtual conventions: is if you miss something, you didn't really miss it. Um, of course, the inner, the face-to-face, you know, interactions of of you know an actual convention is it, something completely different. But it, it went off without a hitch and. So far, everyone said some really nice things. So, thank you. Um, it was excellent. Mm-hmm. Fantastic convention. Thank you, thank you. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, yes, in addition to thanking people uh, for, for checking that out and recommending, you know, go check that out if, if you haven't, especially the interviews with, like, Kaneko and Wakasa and Higuchi, like, those were all fantastic um but uh yeah i guess we we can bring up the news of godzilla singular point which i guess supposes an anime television series coming to netflix from a bunch of anime people i'm not a big anime guy so i'm not too familiar with the names involved i do know that studio bones is like everyone loves them so we'll see yeah i i'd i'd say i'm cautiously optimistic right i mean it can't be worse than the last thing anime I, yeah, yeah. I, I just i just want it to be good at the at the end of the day um there's been a, a very low bar set so i think it's going to be pretty easy for it to clear yeah there's not enough to know to be like super skeptical and say it's going to be a train wreck it's it's a thing that we know that exists and you know we'll see you know, but it, but you know, that's not how this fandom works. You know, everyone has to immediately say that this is going to be either the it it's, it's be either going to be the best thing ever because it's the new thing, or it's going to be the worst thing ever just because the previous animated attempt was poor. So it's like it can't just be like a oh, like we'll see how this turns out kind of thing. And then uh, you know, in three to four years, everyone will just be like, ah, it's okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how that's how it always goes. <laughs> In terms of animation, though, like it's going to be total opposite of what we got previously because Studio Bones is like Full Metal Alchemist and um, My Hero Academia. Like, there's a lot of really good animation stuff, and I think it's also Studio Orange, mm-hmm. which uh, did B Stars, which has got really good reviews. So, like in terms of anime, you're not going to get the weird slow mo 3D 
kind of weird stuff. I think it's going to be much more what people expect out of the first Godzilla anime. Yeah, uh, I I hope so. I, we've been saying a Godzilla anime is like a no-brainer for decades, and we finally got one, and it was like, what is <laughs> The this? worst thing so, ever. So. Yeah. But for, from what I understand, this is another thing that, like, these guys have been kind of, I guess, I don't know if officially hired, but have been, like, in talks and for doing this for years. Kind of how, like, the first, the last anime that we got was in, in development before Shin Godzilla even came out, and so I, I think that, I don't know what took so long, but from what I understand, this this was kind of like, there were fire, irons in the fire for a while. Maybe that maybe they realized, like, hey, maybe we should do this to apologize, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> well, yeah, I think we are owed an apology after the, uh, <laughs> the last anime trilogy. Um, there, there have been a couple things I heard in terms of, like, yeah, this one's been in the been in the works for a bit and um i think there's a director attached to it or yeah, a writer is, or something yeah. and you know it sounds like a cup like what i've heard come down through the grapevine sounds like this guy has had kind of an idea actually for a while it's not yeah it's this this isn't just a hey let's keep the brand relevant thing i mean that's what every thing ultimately boils down to right because it's always at the end of the day a business decision but this sounds like at least the person involved isn't like i what is godzilla you know and it sounds <laughs> like he has an idea so okay. uh, and you know if the if the movie i mean aside from shin godzilla which everyone knows was an enormous success i it, it seems like with the it seems like the movies you know they haven't been doing very well and so, honestly, like, something like this that just, like, goes onto your streaming service or whatever, it, it, it might be a good way to get content out there without having to pour all this money into making a movie. So, we'll see. And if it's, uh, if it's, if, it, if they just keep, like, hiring different people to do whatever for, like, one-off things, I mean, it, we might get some more interesting stuff later, but... We'll see. It's all a big we'll see at this point. I can we talk what does the name mean? Why is that called what, that's not a good title. Is that a title kind of thing? Singular point? Like singularity? I don't know. Isn't a singularity a black hole? They're gonna shove Godzilla up his black hole. Yeah, they're gonna <laughs> yeah, they're gonna send him up his butthole again or whatever. Hey, if you want to make an entire series focused on that one line, <laughs> okay. Now hear me out. I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> Dimension Tide re- returns. Yeah. Now hear me out. Godzilla TV show, but in the style of Quantum Leap. <laughs> Does Godzilla just turn like? Do, does Godzilla inhabit other people's bodies? Yeah, yeah. Godzilla's <laughs> the Scott Bakula in this. <laughs> Can we get um, uh, uncomfortable uh, usages of of outdated slang words for people with uh, mental <laughs> yes yeah development problems. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, 
Let's get into, if you don't uh, know what that's re- what that's in reference to, just Google "quantum leap gifts." I'm sure it's going to be. Like it'll the first probably bit. be like the first one. Yeah, <laughs> the whole episode uh, is online. I think. I don't know. I watched. I, I don't know if I watched the whole episode, but a few months ago, I watched like an obscene amount of that episode, and I I don't even know why, but <laughs> it hasn't aged well. Um. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, well, let's talk about something that has aged well, which is our main topic of the night, and that is Neo Ultra Q, uh, which, you know, that explains Connor's presence. Uh, Neo Ultra Q is the, I guess, what you, reboot or revival of Ultra Q. Um, They, They described it as basically season two of the original show yeah which, um, which is so strange because like there's nothing in here that like would indicate that it's a sequel of any sort or anything no there's no there's no returning characters like dark fantasy is a bit more of a i guess sequel show to that based on the episodes i've seen but even then it's kind of its own thing um so you're just kind of having a sh- like an extra 13 Ultra Q episodes, essentially. This, this show doesn't even have, like, continuity unto itself, which... Yeah, not really. I mean, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to some of that, but, like... Yeah, this... Does, does the world end, like, three or four times in this show? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny you, you mentioned that. Like, in Dark Fantasy, there's an episode where the world ends, and the next episode is completely fine. <laughs> like... Um, Neo Ultra Q, uh, and I don't know if this means anything, but, uh, it's, uh, so what I'm looking at is it's listed as the last of the Heisei Ultra shows, and then Ginga is the first of the new gen shows, but they're both 2013, so I don't know yeah. how much sense so, that makes. um, to explain a little bit, um, so we've got, up until, like, I, I believe Taiga... Um, we'd have, you know, the show and Heisei Ultraman shows. And, you know, it would just be like, you know, 80 was the last show I ever show, Tiga was the first, and we've just been in Heisei until Taiga. And Taiga was the first Reiwa-era Ultraman show, not counting the, the Netflix anime, which, you know, is kind of a weird thing in, in, a, in, a, in and of itself. Um, but because of the new gen shows having, like, this specific formula of the heroes use the bandai toys to make fusion forms and the villain uses the evil version of the bandai toy to turn into the monsters and uh you know the similar plot beats they have in each of those and the interconnected you know continuity between each new gen show subray considers those shows you know ginga onwards um to be the new generation era okay so 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 this is the last uh gasp of air before Everything revolved around toys. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So this, this show is very much not toy driven. You can no. It's. I, I mean, you can tell that just by watching it. There's have, there's definitely things I'm sure that you can get toys of and and stuff like that. But I mean, there's like there's not a main toy that would appear in every episode. You know, no. like. Um. And so this was, uh, was there a particular reason they decided to reboot Ultra Q at this 
specific time. It doesn't seem like an anniversary or anything. I I'm actually not too sure. It seems like um oh, actually never mind. I remembered now. Um well, the thing is and this is partially the reason why Ginga is technically an anniversary season. It wasn't Ultra's anniversary that they were celebrating. It was the company's 50th mm, anniversary. Okay. Got it. Got it. Mm. Um, so Neo Ultra Q uh, is a very short series. It's only 12 episodes. Um, definitely more uh, like the Ultra Q movie, more uh, adult-oriented. I mean, I'm sure a kid could watch it. I, don't, I just don't know how entertained or you know, uh, how entertained they'll be or how, how much of it they'll get. But, um, uh, oh, there's a lot of kids I know that would enjoy the democracy debate in episode <laughs> what, nine. Yeah. I, it varies from, it would certainly vary from episode to episode, right? Like, uh, I mean, yeah. And, um, it, 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 the original ultra Q Tsuburaya, he had, he had kind of intended for it to be more like Outer Limits and Twilight Zone, and every now and then there would be like a, a, a kaiju episode, but from what I understand, the, the network are the ones that stipulated like, hey, we want more kaiju, so we can, you know, get the younger audience in, and so that, so that's why, like, so, some of the episodes, like the one with, about the, um, the little girl, uh, her goat, the ghost girl one, like that was one of the first episodes they wrote, and like, so that that gives you an idea of kind of like the type of show it probably would have been more often, um, and I would say that that definitely applies to this because this isn't even so much. A, I mean, there's kaiju that show up there, but this isn't so much a kaiju show as much as it's like a just a a Twilight Zone ish sci fi show and. Uh, it gets into like these really heady concepts and stuff, um, so it it almost feels like maybe what the original Ultra Q like more 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 true to the original concept. Yeah, it it feels like um, a better blending of the two sorts of styles and ideas, right? And I, I love the original Ultra Q, um, but like. Yeah, it's 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 you know somewhat obvious at times that that they were like, hey, this episode needs a giant monster in it, so throw a giant mole over there. <laughs> you know, throw like, the fucking fucking walrus in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that meme, that meme, I love that. Yeah, meme, Yeah, it's by like the, way. the Tanaka Honda <laughs> meme where he's got the the magma, the walrus. <laughs> yeah, how <laughs> walrus go? <laughs> Um, but you know, like, there's definitely episodes of the original where you're like, yeah, this uh, this was thrust upon somebody, you know, to do a to do a, a giant monster episode. Um, whereas this show, like, it seems like they want to incorporate a monster or a suit into pretty much every episode. Um, but it's it's done more naturally, and it's done more, like you said, more heady. Um, not always super heady, but definitely in a, just a more science fiction driven way than a monster action blow it up way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so they got four creators uh, uh, together. So the the twelve episodes are split among four directors. Um, 
Gakuryu Ishii, who I always, I didn't know he went by that name. I always knew him as Sogo Ishii, but he, uh, he made, uh, Burst City and, um, Electric Dragon. Uh, he, he, he made a lot of, like, cyberpunky um, sort of, uh, films with almost, like, a, the Tetsuo aesthetic, so, like, you, it's pretty easy to tell what episodes are his, um, a uh, guy named Yu Nakai, uh, who I am not familiar with, um, another director named Yu Iri, who I am also not, uh, familiar with, and then also Kiyotaka Taguchi, who is the special effects master that still does uh, most of the special effects effects directing on the Ultra shows. Um, he also created the short film Gehara. Um, Please watch it. Yeah, Gehara is great. Um, and uh, some other awesome short films, but he is just the man. You know, he's a super creative guy. He, he's he's basically like the new Tokusatsu wonder kid. Or, yeah, like, uh, if, if, like if, he, if the last guy was, like, Higuchi, he's, like, the successor to Higuchi. Yeah. Quite like, literally, you can too. Tell. He did a lot of work with Taguchi. <laughs> like, when you when you watch his... He brings a certain flair to the Ultraman episodes he directs. Um, and, like, I, I'm really glad Tsuburai has kept him on. Like, even just doing, you know, one-off episode directing duties. Because yeah. he just... He just... God, like... There's so many great shots and moments in his episodes. Like, yeah, and he I knew, he was the showrunner on what X Orb and Z. Z? He was the showrunner on yeah. He was those the showrunner on those on those entries, and he directed the uh, the respective movies too. And he did quite a few episodes of Geed and Rube and Taiga too. So like he's and as well as Ginga S. So he's had his he's basically. I'd say one of the main architects of the new generation era yeah, of Ultraman. Yeah, he, um, he, he's one of the guys that's like keeping Tokusatsu alive over there. Cause, um, you know, even though, yeah, he, I, you know, I, if, if there was, if, if there was more of that kind of work out there, I doubt he would just be doing Subaraya stuff constantly. He'd probably be directing Godzilla movies or something, but, um, you know, in his spare time, like, that's his day job, is, like, going, working on Ultraman, but in his spare time, you know, he'll make really cool short films, or he'll put together these, like, independent tokusatsu film festivals, or he'll teach classes where he'll, like, uh, like, demonstrate to kids how to, how to create tokusatsu effects, so, like, he's one of the guys that, well, it, literally, probably one of, like, what, like, five people, if that, that are, like, <laughs> actually keeping the craft alive oh, wow. yeah. yeah yep so so props to him um and he's just a, he's a cool guy matt and i interviewed him a few years ago and um you know it, it felt, even with a translator it just felt like i was talking to another kaiju nerd more than you know oh it was some big shot guy um but uh in keeping with the spirit of ultra q this is even though we have, like, uh, main characters that, you know, guide most of the episodes, um, there's certain episodes where they're absent, um, but also, even with them, it really does feel more like an anthology show, just, the, each one is a self-contained story, and, uh, like we mentioned earlier, like, the world ends <laughs> in multiple episodes, <laughs> um, so we have our main characters. We have uh, uh, a psychiatrist. Um, 
is it is is he June? Is his name June? Jin. Jin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then um, or or uh, Haibara. Yeah, yeah, that's his last name, right? Yeah. Um. And then. Uh, Emiko. Yeah, Emiko. Mm-hmm. Or, she's, or a, she's a writer. Yeah, she's a, a writer, a reporter, and then um, the other one is uh, a bartender. Shoke. Yeah, um, and he's kind of like, like this show's version of Ipe. Like he's like the goofier guy, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> he's, he's kind of the the like the 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 butter between the the bread of of Jin and Emmy, right? Like, because she's a reporter and he's a psychiatrist. Why would they ever meet each other? It's because they both frequent his bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's the more like everyman kind of normal dude out of the three. Um, and so each episode uh, basically is like how they stumble into some bizarre situation that usually involves a monster or an alien of some kind. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's your basic premise, right? I can't, I, there's, they, they vary so wildly each episode almost in not only plot, but sometimes even tone. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to say that there's like oh every episode goes like this you know cause... there's not really a formula to this show like as early as I'd say what episode three four um we see them briefly and then then it switches to a completely different guy for the rest of the episode yeah the Pandora's Cave episode oh, oh yeah yeah that's, that's such a good one yeah. that's episode four and yeah like that's that's the fourth episode of the show and our characters are in it for like. Our main characters are in that episode for a grand total of, if it's five minutes, that's high. Right. <laughs> um, and it, it's interesting, uh, it takes place in a universe where, you know, kaiju already exist, they're, they're, they're called ogres, and there's a couple episodes, um, two very prominent episode, episodes. Uh, Hang on, though, about this ogres thing. Is that what they're called, or is that just a weird translation for this? I think it's just a weird translation. Well, even I well, recall... in, the, in the well, even in the in the episodes, there's like um, like there's English stuff that says ogre. Like the, I was gonna talk about like how there's this like uh, like. The uh, ogre, the ogre liberation the, group, or whatever. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. they're they're yeah. they're like these. Uh, they're basically like the the eco terrorists of in King of the Monsters, only in something like better. Um, <laughs> and their uh, yeah, their whole thing is like you know it's it's wrong for the military to kill these monsters. Like they 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 should be the ones that you know are able to run free and dominate the planet and not be regulated I mean, and all that. I mean, I guess, I guess here in, in Neo Ultra Q, um, like we get like what three monsters, and they're all they're all pretty decently friendly guys. Like they're not smashing buildings or whatever. Like so, they, <laughs> I don't they know. usually get Maybe, killed horribly, though. Yeah, they, get, <laughs> they they die horribly, unfortunately. Setagon, he he did not do anything wrong. Um, Poor bastard. He did not. 
but so yeah, like we have um uh the first episode Quo Vadis is about this monster that I guess uh it just walks. It's it's yeah. like it's like Shin Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just walks. But, um, but like this thing isn't really even you know, it's not like traditional daikai. Yeah, it's size. not huge. It's not. It's, like, it's not big enough to like uh, step on a building. You know, like King Kong size. Scra- yeah, I'd say less than King Kong size. It, it would. It would scratch up your car for sure. Yeah. Like it's like, <laughs> it's like Mighty Joe Young sized. There you go. But but yeah, he's like I, in the in I guess uh, his whole deal is basically like at a certain he just time. Wants to die. Yeah, well, at a certain time, the, this this thing that's kind of just docile and doesn't do anything like he had it has to make this pilgrimage to this forest where there's some uh like sacred tree or whatever and it just it just wants to go there and die and you know of course the second it starts walking around civilians are throwing rocks at it people are shooting at it and then you know the protesters come out and then they get like run over by cops um this is the show not real life um and and uh and yeah he he's just like look i just want to go die and so that brings up the whole philosophical question like i said it gets into like these heady issues it's like you know like what what do you do when some there's something like that that could maybe hurt people and you know block your freeway or whatever you know but it's not but it's harmless you know and some people are like oh we should kill it and some people are like eh, it's like you know, know bison <laughs> there's also a uh, you know just there's also in this episode like this 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 is a a banger out of the gate in a lot of ways because it's you know it's it's not one of the ones where the the world ends <laughs> or anything like that you know it's not and and it's certainly not one of the ones like i mean uh, cuz we're probably i'm assuming we're just going to talk about all of these basically but like yeah. it's it's not like pandora's cave where there's like this big like philosophical thing about like good versus evil or you know the democracy debate episode there is obviously like a psychological sort of undercurrent to this one but there's also an overarching uh real emotional story in this one that kind of hits you right off the bat and lets you know like this isn't just just gonna and it, it is a fun sci-fi show but it's not just gonna be that you know there's the the story about the guy who the, he's not one of the three main characters he's he's uh one of Jin's uh, uh patients who is like i have this like this this grudge against all kaiju because my family was killed by a kaiju and so I, I can't let it go. And he has this like horrible anger towards them. And a big chunk of this episode then is this guy processing that anger and processing his grief. And so, you know, right off the gate, you're told like, hey, this isn't just going to be a monster show. This is going to have like and it's not even just going to be a sci fi show. There's there's going to be characters here and there's going to be emotions and, and growth on display. Yeah, I liked that a lot. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. I, I that was the only before I got the Blu-ray. This was the only episode I'd seen, and then I was like, okay, we this, that was awesome. Like we got to do an episode on this. And then after they announced like, oh, we got all these titles, I was like, yeah, I'll just wait until I get the Blu-ray because it was streaming on like Crunchyroll or, or 
something like that at the time and so i held off until uh, until the blu-ray came out and uh i don't know in a way it makes it more rewarding because like every every episode even the weaker ones are still like awesome like if they were in if if they weren't in a show where the best episodes are so good they would just be like really good episodes of something else yeah you know i was actually speaking with matt about that um before we started recording uh like the android episode in my opinion is probably one of the weaker episodes of the show but at the same time it's like there's so like there's this really cool theme about communication and you know what it means to be human and everything that like if this was like in any other show it would probably be like if that was like a black mirror episode it'd be probably seen as a classic Right, but you know, <laughs> but it's in an epi- it's in a show with three uh, different Taguchi episodes, and you know, like the Argos Democracy. So it's it's got its work cut out for it. But even then, it's like the weakest or I guess worst, if you want to call it, episode of like Neo Q is still like really good television. Yeah, since there's only twelve of these, do you want to just go through each one and just talk about each one relatively quickly? I'm sure some will. Yeah. Be a- yeah. Okay, so um, that was Quo Vadis. Yes. So the, next the up, monster we have, that just wants to die. Next up, we have what might be my favorite, and that is Ooh, Laundry this, Day. This, this is the Taguchi one. Laundry this Day. One that, that this yeah, the last one was the Ishii episode. This gives us this brings us to our first Taguchi <laughs> episode, um, and uh, here we have uh, Mister. What's his name? Mr. Brethren. Brethren. Yes, Mr. Brethren. Brethren uh, He's who, this Garamon-looking motherfucker. Yeah, who... And he runs a laundry <laughs> service. Yeah, and... Um, and... This, this episode is, like... It combines, like, every tone of this show into one episode, and it does it all, like, really seamlessly. It's funny, it's sad, it's, like shocking at the end in a funny way like and shockingly dark all of a sudden (laughs) yeah yeah literally in the last five seconds um (laughs) yeah so you you take your dirty clothes to mr brethren and then when you leave he like throws up stuff on him and makes him like a yeah and that it makes a it cleans and folds the clothes and then um uh and and so like everyone loves him but there's uh uh i i think and i don't know it might just be my interpretation but i i think this episode is kind of showing uh i guess in some ways japan's kind of phobia of outsiders you know um yeah like there's there's kids that like are kind of um, like, f- freaked out by him because he, you know, he looks different, he's a monster, <clears throat> and there's, there's the a, crabby old man. Yeah, who there's the crabby old man that doesn't trust him because he's different, and then, um, and the kids try to, like, sabotage his business, um, by, what are they, they spill something on the old guy's clothes, They spill right? soda on the old guy's cl- clothes, and, you know, he's like, you... You're you're a, you're a sham, brethren. You're a fraud. Yeah, and it, uh, <clears throat> that, that hurts his business. Yeah, and then and then his we wife. Why the, yeah, his, his wife who likes Mister Brethren. She she dies, and uh, 
and Mr. Brethren goes to his house and gives him the clean shirt. Um, like that's that's like one of the best scenes in the whole show, I think. Like you, you wouldn't anticipate like like Brethren looks like Pigmon with like white like what what like laundry detergent soap all over him kind of. <laughs> really? and, uh, like you don't expect a scene where this you see this grieving old man you know, mourning the loss of his wife and this thing in the background to be like so poignant, but it is like, it's, it's genuinely emotional. Like it shouldn't be, but you know, again, <laughs> right. like the show, the show, this episode is able to like meld all of these together into a really cohesive whole. And it, it doesn't feel like really weird or slipshod or like they change anything. Like it's, I don't know. I'm trying to find the right words for it. It's, it's just a masterpiece at doing all of all of this. Yeah, and then and, um, then, the, and then Emiko writes an article about him, right? About how he's got this cleaning business that can clean yep. anything. And, the, and so then the UN comes to him and says, "Hey, can you clean the earth?" Yeah, and then we <laughs> and then we get a, a an ominous <laughs> kind of. Uh, it's like it's kind of cute in a way. Yeah. Um, we get he, a very ominous ending. <laughs> and the earth becomes this white sphere devoid of anything on it. Like, Yeah, he cleans earth out of existence. <laughs> right. <laughs> Frankly, though, I, I kind of feel like we deserve it at this point. Oh, we definitely deserve it. We yeah, definitely deserve it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. What? What was that drunken slurring? <laughs> He said, "What did you I say?" I understood him. Okay, he said I, we deserve it. Okay, well, he's right, Matt. You're right. Um, next, we have the businessman who came from the sky. Uh, um, someone else, like I, I don't want to do a, all of them myself. Yeah, so no, that, no, yeah, let's rotate is, uh, a little bit. So this is, um, and I don't know the actor who plays the the, the alien, right? But. So basically, there's this uh, there's this girl who's really ugly, uh, conventionally in the in the you know human sense of the word, and uh, because she's so ugly, she uh, has a hard life, right? Because no one wants to talk to her or give her the time of day. She can't get a job, so she's about to throw herself off a bridge when she kind of gets an offer to to not not do that. Don't, don't don't do that because this guy thinks she's very beautiful, and um, she then then I can't remember exactly if if the show shows us her become beautiful, but then it kind of smash cuts I think to like this beautiful model, and then all of a sudden she's kind of like running for her life after a photo shoot or something, and you know put two and two together, this ugly girl became this beautiful model. Um, and the the person who gave her this beauty, this this alien, is now going to collect. Um, he uh, he's he's going to collect, but it happens just so happens that he's like about to you know collect her when Emmy is going to write an article about about her and about how popular she is. So she kind of is like, "What's going on? Why did this guy like take this girl?" <laughs> um, and so they go, and the, the, our three people go and confront him, and he's like, listen, I made a deal with her. Like, I let her be, you know, beautiful uh, by your standards for a while and become famous. And uh, in exchange, I was allowed to take her with me because I think she's beautiful. 
and and um, they're like, "What if we find you something more beautiful?" And he's like, "Okay, well, let me just tell you, I don't, I don't think in terms of physical beauty like you guys. I think that like ugly, dark, negative energy is beautiful." And so our intrepid heroes have to figure out a way to go out into the world and collect some sort of really hideous, ugly, dark, negative energy in in to give this guy that's uglier than uh, a person who has no self-esteem and hates themselves and wants to die. Yeah, so... So basically, like this is a, then they they create that machine that like helps them suck out someone's negative energy, but it like it like what is it like does the job too well? And the yeah, guy, like, like almost kills them. He he like yeah yeah he starts like uh, convulsing and stuff. So they have to like <laughs> shoot it back into him. I, it's hard to explain. <laughs> so so what you're really getting here in this in this episode though is kind of a an idea of like you you you're not whole. You're not a whole person unto yourself unless you have all the parts that make you you. And that includes your your conventionally beautiful parts and the uglier pieces of you. Um, that's what makes you who you are, and that's what makes you a whole person, right? So that's that's kind of what this, this episode is, is all about. And then you get to the – do they they fix that machine basically, right? And they just like use it on someone else? Because I remember they give him like the, the the jar full of black goo, and he's like, "Oh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they end up just giving him the jar, and he thinks it's like the hottest person ever, or whatever. <laughs> but is yeah, this the, it, is this the first episode that brings in that professor who's often helping them? Or I think he, he was just, in Quo Vadis. Okay. Because he was talking about, like, sunspots or something at some point, wasn't he? Connor, help. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen that one. Um, shit, man. It is I one of the episodes, for sure, that, that brings almost more to the forefront, I guess, a little bit. This this professor character. Yeah, who, he, he's, yeah. he's basically the same... He's the same in the he, same role Gino as the... Tani, yeah, because, like, the the original Ultra Q, they had a similar character that every now and then, like... was a, He was a scientist that the characters knew and, like, they'd, like, go talk to him about stuff, he'd, but... He'd show up for exposition. Yeah, right, right. Um, but, yeah, and that's, uh, well, I guess, I don't know, like, spoiler alert, because, like, like, Twilight Zone, this... Is a show that has like a lot of really memorable endings, and like you kind of have to talk about them. But this is another one that leaves on kind of an open ending, where like even after the the one girl, like she still wants to, um, uh, like she, she wants to go with him and yeah. be like a a museum exhibit on his planet. Yeah, yeah, and then like uh I forget what exactly he says to her at the end, but he says like, you know, it's 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 still no different over there and she decides to go anyway. So yeah. He says he says like, yeah, every like you're still ju- going to be judged by your beauty. It's just our standards of beauty are different. Right. And she's like but I would be beautiful there. And he's like, yeah, cause you know, you're such an ugly person on the inside. And she's <laughs> right. like, sweet. <laughs> <Are> we- 
Um, all right, who wants to tackle uh, Pandora's Cave? Matt, you want to do Pandora's Cave? Matt? <laughs> oh, no, we lost him. <laughs> Matt? <laughs> Matt? He's muted, and he doesn't realize it. Maybe he's making a grilled or, cheese sandwich again. Or he does realize it. He's uh, he's still out. logged on, isn't he? he? Yeah, he's got a little mute next is to his he, name. Is he the is he guest A four B nine? Okay, well, <laughs> all right. Well, Matt is. <laughs> uh, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, he went back. He went with the the aliens back to their home planet. I hope he's okay. Um... I know. I I I hope he's safe. I hope he didn't hurt himself or something. I don't. All right. Well, uh... is, is Connor gonna jump on this next? Okay. One yeah. Or? I guess. Okay. I guess... Uh, so Pan Pandora's hole, right? Pandora's uh, so cave. This one, yeah. Yeah. Pandora's cave hole. Whatever. This yeah. one uh, is one of that that completely kind of sidelines the past. A uh, couple episodes, sort of, by getting rid of the main three characters, um, and focuses on a colleague of uh, uh, the psychologist character, and he he comes across in this dark hole, this this demonic sort of sort of being uh, named Mara, which is you know the evil entity from Buddhism, and it's it's kind of like the you know if you open this box, um, I will bring balance to the world. But you know it's it's kind of a meditation on the on the nature of good and evil inside of there, and it's a really really psychological episode, and um, it has an ending that genuinely shocked me. Uh, yeah, the the whole episode is. I mean, this is maybe the most heady episode of the show. Um, it's at least in the top, like, two or three, along with uh, the the Argus Democracy and uh, the, the the series finale. Um, and, and yeah, like, like Connor said, the, the whole episode really is just, it's, it's like a battle of wills and a battle of wits and a battle of, of ideology. And it's it's not even necessarily good versus evil as much as it is almost just like order versus chaos, you know, like um, that that Mara is constantly like, I, you know, I'm not evil. I'm just I'm, you know, just lawlessness kind of. Um, and there's every once in a while we bounce back to the bar where our three main characters are hanging out and like. They kind of, they're almost like a, like a framing device, you know, like they say, they, they're having conversations and they'll say like some almost, almost unrelated thing, but it kind of frames the discussion that, um, this, this professor who, like you said, he's a, he's a colleague of Jin's and he's about to, or is it, it might be June. I don't even know. I thought it was Jin. Um, but this, this, this colleague, is about to have with uh, with this Mara, like it frames their conversation, and this Mara, whatever he is, like he he starts off as just like a 
a little puffed of, of air or something, and he's he's kind of constantly getting gaining in strength over the course of the episode. He looks like he looks like he's garbage. Yeah, he he looks like he came out of a Tsukamoto movie. Yeah, he really does. He does. Yeah, this the and then and then again, yeah, this is again you, you almost can't talk about any episode of this show without talking about its ending. And this is yeah, the uh the 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 being convinces this guy via like he like essentially tease him about his dead wife or something like yeah, yeah. He, he taunts him about his dead wife and he, and, uh, and he wasn't he the, the guy was he was doing like experimental like uh like like medical stuff like to cure his wife wasn't he yeah and then he convinces him to open the open the box essentially i mean it's it's not a box it's like a seal over a pit but um darkness spews into the earth and then the episode ends this this was the episode for sure for me where i was watching it and i realized okay okay we we don't have continuity right because like (laughs) um the laundry day episode i was like oh that got that got a little weird there at the end uh I don't know if they meant to do that. You know, I was like, I don't know if they meant to imply that the world ends when I was, you know, kind of first watching this through. And then I watched this episode and like the, the clear implication is that like evil is just taken over the earth. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. There's, there's no continuity really from episode to episode here. <laughs> like, um, but that, that kind of made me love it more. You know, it was like each episode is just like a little, story unto itself and you and because of that you're not you're not like oh this how are they gonna get out of this one it's just uh, how how are things going to unfold this week you know right like there are no rules now yeah there's never there's never waiting for that you're never waiting for like oh what's the deus ex machina here gonna be (laughs) yeah (laughs) um uh and that uh that episode is is really like uh i guess visually like it's really washed out and uh like almost black and white ish you know um i don't think the whole thing's black and white is it only the scenes no, in the there's, there's color in yeah it. yeah um and they're not even yeah it's it it gets more and more visually washed out whenever the the, the evil being is more present yeah um it's a good visual flair yeah yeah uh that's another ishii episode um so i guess uh we i'll talk about the town that doesn't speak um which uh i might struggle a little bit with the like i guess the the not the and background the of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, um, they they they're investigating this town of uh, what we learn are um, they're like uh, that's that's kind of not what they're investigating. What they're what they're investigating at first is what happened to. I mean, they end up finding the town, right? But the, what they're investigating is what happened to these androids. Because for a while on 
Earth, apparently, in this episode's timeline, is there were these androids that were servants. And they were perfected by this scientist. I, I can't remember who that was. Um, but they were perfected by him. And what they did was like they were so good at reading people's body language that they could anticipate your needs before you even had to ask for them. And um, they basically then, learned to be able to know everything about your how you're feeling without talking to you. Yeah. And then one one day they all just disappeared. And so they're trying to figure out what happened. Like, did this scientist guy, you know, deactivate them? Like, where did he go? What happened to him? Like, it's just a, it's almost like Emmy gets kind of tasked to be like, hey, we need a story. And she's like, oh, this seems interesting. on the thread. And yeah, they go and investigate and they end up finding this town that isn't so much a town. It is like a manor place that all of these androids move to and you and you learn more about the experiments of this scientist he wanted to create like a perfect being essentially that would you know love each other unconditionally um but it's like because they knew what each other was thinking at all times there was never any intrigue and so they didn't actually there was there was no ability to create any love because there was no mystery and no uh, joy of learning about another person. Yeah, so they they want um it's and Jin ends up going there with the scientist's son, right? Does he does he go with him? I can't remember if the scientist son goes with them or if he just. But but the whole point was like they 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 want to be they they see their them their perfection as like something that is holding them back from any kind of meaningful existence, you know. And they they say we want to be imperfect like you, so. Like because they can, they know everything about each other. There, there's nothing. There's nothing to like know about the other person. There's the so it, like they can't really share anything with each other because they're all exactly the same at that point. Right. There's there's no. It's, it it kind of gets to that whole like. Um, uh, I just recently watched the Watchmen TV show and 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 even the movie and you know every, like it gets into a big piece of like that that kind of Doctor Manhattan style of thought of like um you know you you can only really love someone and you can only really fully uh, share yourself with someone if you don't know everything about them and if you uh you know it's kind of like that that whole idea of like your flaws are what makes you perfect for someone else you know if if you were really truly perfect you wouldn't be perfect for anyone else because nobody else is perf- perfect mm-hmm. it's like your flaws and imperfections that make you a perfect fit for someone else because you pick each other up and share with each other and depend on each other but if you're this perfect being that constantly knows what someone else is thinking and needing and feeling, then there's there's none of that. There's there's no give and take. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
And I it's know not like, one of the best episodes, but but again, this this is kind of one of those episodes that like perfectly illustrates how like like yeah, if if this was like a Black Mirror episode or something, this would be. Yeah. Yeah. A well-regarded a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, it's not one of the best, but only because the other ones are so good, not because it's, like, worse, you know? <laughs> like, But, yeah, I really like this episode, and I know that this isn't uh, a new new territory for sci-fi. I mean, you even get it in, in certain things like Blade Runner and... Uh, well, Blade Runner is almost the opposite. Like, they can feel too much, but... You know, the, that concept of artificial life and, I guess, what, what it can, can or cannot feel is something that is, you know, we, we've, we've explored that before. But, I mean, it's still a really strong episode, and it, it ends in a way that, I don't know, some people might find it anticlimactic. But, um, I mean, a lot of that, but that's kind of, I like the, I like those kinds of endings in this show, so, um, I see that Matt is unmuted. Matt, you okay, buddy? I'm okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so uh, we're we're going around the room and just kind of doing each episode really quickly. Do you want to take the extremely smelly island? Yeah, this episode is, is uh, pretty awesome. Uh, so basically, a, a lady wakes up and she's on this island after I guess like a. a a boat wreck of some kind, and she stumbles upon this monster called uh, Setagon, and essentially she like she ends up getting hurt, and the monster takes this like basically slime off of his nose and wipes it on her, and she's constantly complaining about how he smells, but by a couple of days later she's kind of grown accustomed to the smell, and eventually we learn that she takes that smell off of his body and she basically takes it and puts it into like a cologne or perfume of some kind and it becomes like a bestseller and she becomes like this gigantic uh business mogul i guess and eventually she goes back to the island because she runs out of supply and at the same point the government decides that they basically stumble upon the island they find this monster they're like they're going to take it out and so the government takes out the monster thus killing her supply of uh perfume and air cologne or whatever and by the end of it there's this like weird twist where she's becoming the monster herself which is a really interesting i mean it, it, it makes you really think but like the setagon's really charming really excellent monster and like i don't know like it, it, it tackles things like greed and people manipulating things to to for their own benefit without really taking any thought about what it means for the, for the person they're taking advantage of. In this case, it would be Setagon. And like, it just, I, I found that whole episode to be heart wrenching in many ways. Like, I don't know how you guys felt about it, but like by the end oh, of it, I was like, damn, like that, that this was might be one. my favorite episode. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's up there. It's one of my favorites. Um, um Setagon. Really yes, it is. Uh, and, um, Setagon is another one where, you know, we were talking about how like the monsters in this usually meet a gruesome end, even though they, they're, don't do they're pretty neutral creatures, but this is one where like the military just like picked him up on like a, so a, a radar or something yeah like, they, uh, oh we should go kill was, him <laughs> she was trying to buy the island and part of her trying to buy the island and she's doing it because she knows that he's there and 
you know, she, she doesn't want him for the perfume or cologne. Yeah, or she doesn't want anyone else to be able to to, to just go there. Um, she she's trying to buy the island, and so they do like um, satellite surveillance and a few other things to like chart the island and you know like do a, a full survey of it. And while they're doing that, they find him like he's like laying on the beach, and they're like, "Oh, we estimate." We estimate that he must be, you know, 10, 10 meters tall almost or something like that. And they're like, oh, let's let's go kill him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's he, even though he smells and uh, he's emits a sticky, gross uh, enzyme or whatever. Um, he's he's a very fr- he's a friendly creature and. Uh, you know, he really didn't do anything but try to help this poor woman, and yeah. he was. No and good deed goes unpunished. She, she right. thinks that he's like super stinky, like almost vomit-inducing smelling when she first gets there, and she grows accustomed to it to the point where she's at. She's on this island for a long time, right? She's because she got shipwrecked there, and like it's not you know in a shipping lane or anything. Eventually, she sees a ship and she gets away. And she's grown so accustomed to the smell that, like, the guys who rescue her are like, oh, my God, you you stink, lady. And, like, she goes home and she takes a shower and she's, like, tossing and turning in bed and can't sleep. And she goes and grabs her stinky clothes and, like, snuggles into him. She's like, oh, this smell just, like, is so comforting because he was so, like, he saved her life and he was so nice to her. And, yeah, she then manipulates that into a perfume. And then, yeah, when he's... When he's in his death throes and dying, she goes and, like, rubs herself all over him. And I guess, like, some of his gloop gets in her mouth and nose and eyes. And it... She starts growing. Uh, Yeah. Setagon knows at the end. It's awesome. That's an awesome twist ending. It's my favorite twist ending in in the show by a lot. Yeah, no, it's uh that that's a really good episode. Um and uh while we are mentioning uh Setagon, um if you look at him, uh he is uh created in kind of a homage to Daigoro from Daigoro versus Goliath, the the Tsuburaya movie from the 70s. Um there's a little bit of Red King in there, but I think that's probably because I, I believe Daigoro was repurposed from an old Red King suit. Is that right, I, Connor? I'm not, I don't think he was, um, but you know, there's there's definitely that same sort of design. Yeah, he's he's got the the the, the ridges along the his. Yeah, he's got the he's ridges crinkly. along his uh, like his arms and his back and his tail. It's very, look at just look up Daigoro and and uh, Setagon and you'll Imagine. see it. Yeah, just <laughs> Setagon is basically Daigoro's like he just really hit middle age hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor kid. Um, no, this is this is is definitely one of the best episodes of Ultra anything, I think. Um, so it's a the banger. Uh, yeah, it really is. Um, Please watch it. Yes, I implore you. Um, Next up is the Iron Shell. Um, so I I suppose I can uh, handle this one. Um, so the Iron Shell, uh, episode seven, um, 
is about the uh, arrival of these deep sea uh, kind of hermit crab looking creatures, uh, these gastropods. Um, and uh, they feed, uh, they're said to feed off of geothermal energy. And um, uh, the. This is around the time that there's uh, some earthquakes. Um, they're they're base or I can't quite remember if they're. This is what happens when I watch a show like two months ago that we're sub- they, and, then, and then it gets delayed. <laughs> but these, these these creatures start popping up more and more, and it's concurrent with. Uh, tectonic activity and volcanic activity yeah so and like the, they'll turn up around a place where like uh part of the, the the earth cracks and there's like all this heat like they're surrounded by heat and the thought is that they are the, the initial thought is they're the cause of this yeah and right. so they start so the popping starts- up they start popping up everywhere and so um, you know, the, the public, the military, they're, they're thinking like, we got to get rid of this species, uh, before, before, you know, they, they just destroy Japan because they're just going to cause all these earthquakes and we're going to get earthquaked into oblivion. Um, so the, uh, <clears throat> the, the military, dev- like they develop like liquid nitrogen weapons, um, where they can freeze them, freeze them to death easily, um, and uh, there's a subplot about one that like washes up on a beach, and this little girl that lives by a, by it, like um, she kind of bonds with him, and uh, like starts to care for this animal, and she has like this drunk, neglective father who just seems like kind of an asshole and you know she she at night she like leaves the house and she goes and like talks to this big hermit crab thing um and so she starts like protecting it and um befriending it and this is kind of interwoven with our main plot which is mostly um our main characters and uh their professor friend trying to stop the military because so, what is it that the, again he ends, up re- he ends up realizing that these creatures don't emit yeah. the energy; they absorb it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so basically, if you if you wipe them out, you're basically dooming Japan to be destroyed. Yeah. So yeah, essentially, yeah. So it's it's basically the reverse of what they had thought. So by eliminating them, you would actually probably cause more earthquakes because they're not going to be eating this geothermal energy. Um, and, uh, so, uh, so yeah, the, the episode concludes with these scientists, like, pleading, like, with the government and everyone, like, hey, like, for the love of God, please listen to us, because (laughs) if you don't, like, things are gonna get really bad and people are gonna die. Again, this is the show, this isn't real Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And you know that's a trope that we we see. Well, again, not only in real in real life, but you know, I mean, that's that's another trope that you see in sci-fi over and over and over is, you know, scientists being ignored. Yeah, um, yeah this 
this ends. It's funny because we say scientists, but it, you know, to draw another comparison point, this almost ends exactly the same as like Halloween three. <laughs> um, they're like, stop it, stop killing them, stop killing, and then like everyone's celebrating that they killed them, and like a huge earthquake starts to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the, at the very end, we see. Uh, I mean, it, it's a, it's a sad. It's it's this is a, it like made me sadder than I should than a rubber monster should. But like at the end, like the little girl goes and she discovers that her 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 pet. Well, I guess her pet uh, gastropod or whatever like has died. Um, but you do see that it it uh, like. It, it basically it died of starvation, um, which is, is it, like see, I wasn't sure if it died of starvation or if these the life cycle of these things is that they die when they lay eggs. Um, point being, it's dead. Yeah, point is, it's dead. <laughs> anyway, um, but it, you know, after it dies, it it does lay some eggs. So there's like a glimmer of hope, but it's it's one of those things where like. You know, I don't know what the growth cycle of these things is. Like, I mean, at, at what point will there be enough to save the Earth? Maybe never. You know, so it's like it's the show has a lot of endings where like you could read it as, you know, one of two ways, and uh, this is one of them. I don't know. I, I and um, like I was talking to Tom, and and he he seemed to think this might be one of the weaker ones, but this was one of my favorite episodes. I really like this one. The, for me, this was just one of the weaker ones because it's one of the it's one of the ones. And there's a few like this, but again, it's it's the, there's like 21 minutes of awesome, and then they just kind of end. And this is one of the ones that kind of kind of does that. It's like 20 some odd minutes of like this is so good, and then it just kind of ends. Um. And and it's a weird ending that, especially this one, I wasn't I wasn't really sure what this ending was trying to be. Um, I, I thought it was hopeful because like the the thing dies, but also gives lays eggs, and so the thought being like, okay, maybe there be, there's some hope for us after all because these things can stop the earthquakes. But I do I do also understand what you're saying, Tom. Like it, it does just kind of like end. It's it's kind of a it's kind of uh, it's it's a little hopeful, but you know the the odds are stacked against it because you know they wiped out the rest of the gastropods. Like it's it's a small glimmer of hope, but um, it, at the same time the odds do not look good. It's it's kind of an ending. I that, that's kind of how I took the ending. It's you know it's kind of a happy ending, but not really. It's important to remember again that when you say one of like when you say one of the episodes of this show is one of the weaker ones, that still, still means this is like a damn good like four out of five. Of really? <laughs> right? Yeah. Show. I don't know that there's a single episode I would go lower than a three point five at the at the lowest. Yeah, that's that's a agree hundred percent agree. Yes, hard agree. Um. So the next episode is Memories Are Crossing the Planet. Um, and uh, Connor, you want to take this one? Yeah, sure, I'll take this one. So this one um, is a really interesting one. So there is 
on the alien world, um, there is a bunch of social unrest going on, and the leader got killed. And so his people are going to find his reincarnation, and they reincarnate. He reincarnated as a guy on Earth, and he's being tracked down by the people who want to put him back into power, and then the rebels want to kill him still. And it's it's interesting because you know this guy who's the reincarnation of the alien is like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to this fucking alien planet. But he also doesn't really want to be on Earth. <laughs> no, yeah. like, like he's a. It's he interesting. Feel like he belongs anywhere. His this character, uh, he wants to like go help out impoverished people across the planet and not stay in Japan. But you know, when he's given this this call to adventure, he's just like, "Are you fucking insane? No, I'm not <laughs> doing this." Yeah, he he he's. He's uh he he just he doesn't have like he doesn't feel like he belongs anywhere I think is is a big piece of this guy and then also like he feels like he should be helping people but he's not like excited about it. He's got like a lack of fulfillment in his life. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't know what he should be doing. Like he's very unhappy with his girlfriend. He's becoming a doctor but he's not super thrilled about that either. He doesn't want to go help this alien. Like he just doesn't know what to do with his life he's like a lost soul kind of and it takes getting embroiled in this battle between um his loyal subjects um and the guys who are trying to assassinate him for him to to like kind of wake up and realize that like he he has some power and responsibility and he should do something with his life and uh, he he kind of makes friends with uh, our main characters, especially um, is it Shohei? Yeah, yeah, yeah he the bartender. Yeah, he like he goes to his bar and like he kind of is the closest thing that he has to like a friend or someone to like I guess teach him about Earth. Oh, the alien. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, not the not the reincarnation guy. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. the the guy the guy with the mohawk. Yeah. Yeah. He also there's like a weird there's a weird thing with him where he like can drink massive amounts of alcohol without getting drunk or something. Right? Is that it's the only <laughs> thing it's the only thing on earth that has the concentrated caloric intake for him that can like nourish him at all? Yeah, he like drinks out of like giant vats basically, like <laughs> these huge freaking bowls. Yeah. Mad at a wine tasting. <laughs> that was that was me earlier today. Yes, he drinks. He doesn't drink like yeah. He doesn't drink like a bottle of alcohol. He like pours it into like a giant bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one's okay. This is probably my least favorite of the bunch. I think this is. I think the for me this is the the weakest. It's fun. It's got some good action scenes. Um, it, it ends with that kind of like this guy deciding, like making up his mind about, you know, doing something with his life. And so it's got kind of that good message of like, you know, if you're, if you're feeling listless and dissatisfied, you, you, you should do something, you know, like it's got that call to action for people, but it's not, yeah, it's not like 
overly memorable. It's got these little kind of cute character moments that are memorable, but not like a memorable story, really. Yeah. Connor, Matt, where are you guys on this one? Uh, I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I think there's quite a few episodes I take before it, but at the same time, I think it's got a really interesting plot line. And I like the, you know, I think the the intrigue with the aliens is really cool. Um, and I like the idea that of reincarnation, like the, I, the concept that you have this, this character who isn't really sure what he wants to do, but he doesn't really want to do what he's destined to do and the problems that causes. And it's, to me, it's just a story that really just reflects how change is a lot of the times like everything changes no one stays the same for too long and yeah. you know uh, to me it's again it's it's not my all-time favorite episode of neo q um but you know for a for a solid you know 30 minute sci-fi story i think it i think it's the mark pretty well yeah yeah i'm probably closer to tom on this where like I think it might be among my, my least favorite episodes, but it's still pretty damn good. And I, I think the the notion of sacrifice, especially for, like, the Guardian, by the end of it, like, it, it, it definitely resonates a bit. And um, But compared to some of the other episodes, like, is it my favorite? No, it's, it's not. But, like, it's still really it- solid. Like, I still had a really fun time watching it. There's a lot of plot getting in, in the way of the story on this one. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, only a few more left, guys. Uh, so, here we have, uh, the next one is episode 9, the Tokyo Protocol. Uh, Matt, you want to give us that one? Yeah, so this is one of Taguchi's episodes, and, like, probably my, my favorite, maybe, besides Laundry Day, um... Basically, and, and tell me if this sounds familiar, you have people complaining about uh, the economy and there's these basically a bunch of pollution and, and businesses are shutting down and people can't breathe and all this stuff. Um, and then out of nowhere, these aliens, they kind of remind me of like Belunga from the original Ultra Cube, but these basically these giant like yeah. puff balls, they start absorbing and eating and They're feeding on. They're really monsters in a way. Yeah, they're like they basically form on smokestacks, and so they start eating and, and feeding on the um, all the pollution in Japan, and so everyone welcomes this, and all of a sudden the, the economy's booming, and everybody's happy, and nobody's really thinking about the consequences, and all of a sudden that these creatures start changing, and now the concern is: are, are they going to explode? Like, what what are the consequences? And by the end of it, when they do finally go through this like sort of metamorphosis process where they become like flowers and things like you're not really sure if it's good or if it's bad and have we gotten ahead of ourselves with like dealing with the consequence of global warming and all the things that we're doing with you know just like not caring about the environment but rather putting all of our focus on the economy and because of that like we're polluting the earth and this is the way that the earth is responding like it's just it really opens up to a lot of different questions it's probably my favorite episode i think the effects are really excellent and, like, you don't know if the flowers are good or bad by the end. Like, there's these weird, like, alien-looking flower things that these creatures become. And you're like, I don't, I don't know if these are good or bad. And so it kind of ends, ends on this very ominous note. Well, and it, yeah, it really yeah. makes you think. 
Yeah, it ends. It ends with like everyone in Japan celebrating because you know they've they've turned into these flowers. But there's a little boy that we've kind of followed uh, throughout um, this episode. You know, his dad. I, I he works for the owns like a shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad owns a small factory. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, he they're do he's doing really well all of a sudden, and uh, so it ends with everyone celebrating. But then like. The only person that doesn't look happy is is the child, and and we kind of end, you know, with him kind of looking very uncomfortable, and I think that's you know probably where our uh, our you know I I think the audience is meant to be just as uncomfortable as is the kid, um, but yeah, I mean it's there's a lot of things that you could apply in our to our you know our current. Well- events i mean yeah you know uh i mean sound sound familiar that the the basic premise of this show is that there's a uh a, a target of all company of all countries on earth that they have to meet certain emissions standards and none of them are reaching it does that that, <laughs> that sound familiar at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know the and like, big corporations. Nobody, nobody are, wants to do the thing that they need to do to right. make the world better. Well, yeah, and and you know corporations are responsible for most of the global warming, and you know as as civilians we can do what we can, but in, unless unless the big companies you know minimize we that, really we're, we're basically screwed, uh, and um. There's also a lot of dark humor in this episode. This is, you know, one of the one of the more darkly humorous episodes too. Just in general, of like, you know, they once these once the prana, I believe they're called, once they start yeah. like absorbing yeah. all the pollution, like Japan's emissions drop to you know basically essentially zero, zero yep. and the economy is booming, and like all the other countries on on Earth are like. Oh my God! How are you do- doing it? You know, and they're like, "Oh, just keep lying to them," and you know, like, um, <laughs> we're we're constantly in board meetings with like the uh, is it the prime minister? I think, and like, you know, in the in the earlier parts of the episode before the prana show up, like they're they are trying to like keep their emissions down. They're having their meetings, and there's no air conditioning, and everyone's like sweating. And then when these things show up, they're like air, the AC's on blast, and they're like wearing like winter clothes and stuff because like <laughs> they've got the AC cranked so hard. Like there's there's some some dark, funny little bits in this, you know. And um, that, the, yeah, the, the ending the, really the whole, fucks me up because like the the kid, he's the only one that seems to know like there's there's something wrong here. And you think about like I don't know, I have a kid, and and you think about the future of like what the what we're facing right now. It, it just mess, messes well, well, me up, man. Well, that's like, another thing. I mean, um, it was maybe a month or so after I watched this episode that, uh, was it in New York? They put up that clock or whatever that it said, like, in seven years, climate change will be so bad that it's irreversible. And, you know, yeah. in my head, I'm thinking, like, oh, you know, I thought, like, I would be dead and, like, our kids would be grandparents when we reach this level but no you know so so yeah i i I think that's probably part of the point Uh, like you said matt is by focusing on the child it's like yeah all the all the adults who are celebrating they're not they're probably not gonna have to deal with this but it's the younger generation that are gonna be Mm -hmm. in this like mad maxian like desert hellscape hellscape. jungle yeah yeah and that's the 
the the whole the whole point is is you know yeah the the pollution and stuff is no longer a problem. So like yeah, once once these things start absorbing energy, like everyone like Matt said, everyone's worried that they're gonna explode. They look crusty and they're like glowing from the inside, and everyone's like, oh my god, these things are gonna explode, and like that's gonna be it. Like like we're all gonna die, but they don't stop they don't stop polluting. They're just like, oh my god, we're all gonna die. Oh well. Um, and then these things explode, and now there's these giant plants everywhere. And yeah, we don't know are these things gonna like take over the earth, like whatever. And and really, the whole point is like, yeah, everything seems like it's fine, but you guys still haven't actually solved the problem. Just because the outcome isn't going to be the same anymore doesn't mean you fixed the problem. Yeah. And if that sounds applicable <laughs> to anything in 2020, um, that's that's no. <laughs> like, it's it's sad how how often you could say that about a show that was made, you know, seven years eight ago, years yeah, ago eight in years Japan. Ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, some uh, trivia, and I, I just am bringing this up mainly because I want to know if Connor knows it. Connor, did you know one of the Piranha props was modified into the prop of Grisa's first form. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool. Kind of a fun nod back to to Neo Q for that. Um, and Grisa then, uh, uh, in Ultraman Taiga, uh, one of them is seen as a test subject of Mabuse's experiments to create the ultimate creature. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess I can't stump you then. <laughs> I mean, um, I've seen <laughs> none of that is even English to me. So. <laughs> it isn't English. None of it's English. Oh, one thing we forgot to mention about the extremely uh, smelly island is: Did you notice the su- Sufflin, the, the Sufflin plant, plant? Yeah, that was in episode uh, eight of Ultraman. Yes. Yeah. The, Look at you. The carnivorous vampire one. Um, I know. I mean, I do run that site. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Famagan and Michiru. Uh, Tom, you want to take this one? Yeah, this one's this one's pretty boilerplate in terms of the plot. Um, there's, a, there's a young girl who was involved in some kind of accident. She used to be a track star. She gets into some kind of accident, and she can't run anymore. She's wheelchair-bound. And uh, her life... It's kind of miserable because of it, right? Her boyfriend doesn't even like her anymore. He's like, Psh, you can't run. Like He's a real which, asshole about it. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a fucking dick. And uh, meanwhile, like, um, a whole bunch of garbage in a junkyard uh, sort of propagates itself into a creature um, that also is, you know, somewhat plant-like in appearance, known as Falmagon, and, um... He's, he's kind of Groot-looking. Uh, yeah, he's Groot... Like, he's like if Groot, Groot and... He's like if Groot and Madam Trash Heap had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what Falmagon is. And, uh, he has this uncanny ability to, uh, be able to magically fix things. I, I forget how we first see it, but, like, at one point, uh, he's hanging out with uh, with Michiru because um, she likes hanging out with him because he doesn't he doesn't treat her like a cripple. He just like treats her like a like a someone to hang out with. Um, and she's like, "Oh, you're you're 
also a piece of shit. So just like me, like we could, <laughs> we could <be> friends. <laughs> um, and uh, and like she like breaks a glass, and he you know like zoop, and he like puts the pieces back together. And she's like, oh, that's that's awesome. This is exciting. And then like she has something else like it's like some kind of a trinket or yeah, something. It was given to her yeah, by like yeah. her boyfriend love interest that re- keeps rejecting her constantly, I think. Yeah. And it, it, it gets broken and she's like, oh, can you fix this? And like he puts it back together because he has all the pieces, but he doesn't know how those pieces fit together. So it it's not fixed. You know, it's just as bad. And she's like, ooh, uh, uh. maybe maybe the idea that I initially had when I saw you fix something is, is not a good idea, right? Um, it turns out the more he hangs out with her and the more he fixes stuff for her and the more he practices his, his craft, because she says, like, oh, you need to practice. The more he does that, the weaker he gets and the more he's about to die. And, um, and this is where actually Jin comes in because he's like, the mom is upset that she's so depressed from losing her legs that she's like, oh, go see this psychiatrist. Um, and he's like, listen, you know, uh, you don't need to be healed. You can be like a whole person without your legs or whatever. And um, he's like, by the way, if you keep having this monster practice, he's going to he's going to die. Every time he uses his power, he dies a little bit. Um you can probably guess what happens from there. You know, the monster realizes she's never going to be happy if she doesn't have her legs. So he Gives heals her, her legs. And that's the end of Falmagon. Yeah. It's yeah. a touching, this is a touching, cute episode. You know, it's, it's again, this is one of those, it's, it's not one of the best ones. You know, it's, it's no laundry day. It's no extremely smelly island it's no tokyo protocol but like this one this one sits kind of in the middle of the pack for me right it's it's cute it's sweet it's heartfelt um it just doesn't have like the the you know the the intrigue really that those other ones have you know it's a little predictable yeah michiru she doesn't really seem to appreciate him much until she's kind of a bitch (laughs) she is (laughs) for someone for someone who can't run and she's lamenting the fact that she can't run the whole episode she's very manipulative it feels like to try to get falmagon to be able to like heal her and by by the end of it i think it's that whole thing about like you you, sometimes you get what you want and it's not like it's not really what you need and she laments the fact that the creature is no longer there and that he sacrificed himself to like make her be able to run again. Um, but like, yeah, like, I'm her kind life of still kind of sucks after she gets healed, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Like her her boyfriend slash the the guy that she's you know into is is already moved on. Like he's with somebody else by the end of it. So it's kind of like all for naught in many ways. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's probably, this is, I mean, I, I like this episode, I think it's charming, but it's also probably like, mm, eh, maybe my second or third lowest ranked episode, maybe. Yeah, it's fine. It's just there. Yeah. It's okay. Um, it's got a, it's got a fun plot. I like the you know, the, the general message and theme of it. I like the monster, but it's just, again, it's, you got, uh, you got the, the for it. 
that that would be my biggest critique of it is like you can tell exactly what's going to happen for the rest of the episode. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So many of these episodes yeah. are so unpredictable, and there's so much intrigue. And I know unpredictability only holds up, you know, the, the first, first time, time around. Yeah. So. But <laughs> but like even just the way, just the you know the way it unfolds and the storytelling is it's just it's just kind of boilerplate, right? Like it. There's 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 not a lot of twists and turns and intrigue to the storytelling. Um, so next up we have episode. We're in the home stretch, guys. Next up we have the Algoth democracy, uh, or Argos, or the Argos democracy. democracy. Um, uh, what is what's going on? What is all that? What's all that ruckus? <laughs> is someone getting robbed or something? <laughs> 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 um, it sounds like someone is shuffling along like an attic. <laughs> yeah, you, Matt, are you in your attic? attic? No, I I knocked over a cup oh, like geez. by accident. <laughs> was it like a styrofoam cup that was about thirty five feet long? Styrofoam cup. No, I just styrofoam cup. Uh, was there wine in it? There was not. Okay. I've, I've not had wine for a couple hours now. Okay, good. Freaked good reference. I like it. Freaked is the best. So, um, anyway, uh, so the Argos democracy. Um, so here we have. There's a. Uh, I guess some kind of like public. Um, I don't know what you want to call it. A meeting. Uh, a class. What what is it that they're in at the beginning? It's like a support group or like yeah. a moms moms against moms kind against of thing. monsters. Yeah, yeah. So it's like an anti kaiju uh, group, and there's a lot of people that have had like friends and family that have been killed in monster attacks, and um, and uh, uh, led by a politician. Right, yeah, led by a politician, yeah, and uh, Emmy is there, and she's like, no, you guys, like, look, like, they're not all bad, and, like, she has photos of, like, uh, Mr. Brethren and, and the Piranha and all, you know, the the nice monsters, and she's like, see, like, what about these, like, the, these ones helped us, and they're like, you, how dare you say that to, you know, with to this audience, this, this crowd full of, you know, people that were killed, had loved ones killed by monsters and like there's children here lady how dare you and then um and then this uh uh the ogre liberation uh group or whatever they're called they they cra- they they come in with like uh machine guns and stuff and they they crash the 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 group and there there's so there's all these politicians and civilians in this um in this room and they're like um, you have like they're trying to pressure the politician into what doing something to wasn't she gonna pass a law or something yeah, that yeah, said like all she's, she's trying to yeah. she's trying to pass a law that says like anytime a monster appears it has to be killed yeah yeah um and so they're like which you like know, if you've watched this show and lived in the universe of this show like. Uh, pretty much none of these monsters deserve to have been killed. Like <laughs> maybe, maybe one of them. Like, yeah. And then, um, so so then suddenly this gigantic alien life form that's like this big spherical 
thing basically um comes down it, it it puts a shield over the whole building and it announces it gives it gives um an ultimatum to basically the the public so there's you know dozens of people in the building you have a congresswoman um you know kids and civilians and you have emiko and so this rights group uh they um basically tell tell people to vote right essentially um the, this yeah no the the argos tells them that argos is the name of this this big alien yeah, thing yeah. and it says it it says your choices are either i kill the, i kill the prime minister i kill the prime minister of japan or or, or, or yeah or go. or i'll like explode this building full of you know dozens of people um but yeah the, it's basically telling people like that don't they even write their answer down and like put it in a yeah, box? Yeah, stuff. yeah. So yeah. It, it's essentially telling the the people either vote, hey, I'm gonna take out the prime minister, or all these people, and um, you know, you have until this time to 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 make your decision. Um, so basically, like how how you know how much do you love your country? Do you love your country enough that to save the leader, you'd let all these people die? Um, and and so there's all this pressure around this this dilemma. And then Jin ends up he basically like walks uh, walks up to the Argos thing and like tells him like cuz cuz he the 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 alien the creature is saying like he wants to he learned about the democratic process somehow <laughs> and he he's come to earth because he just he just wants to see it like in action he wants to understand it and that's where you get the uh the very real line of dialogue like uh, you know democracy is failing us and um and so jin is he basically it just out of, I guess, desperation, tells this entity, like, look, like, democracy isn't what you think it is. It's not perfect. Like, the system kind of sucks, I admit it, but, like, it's it's the best we have. Like, it's, it's really the... It's not a perfect system, but... Um, but... And, look, it, it's not what you think it is. It's not what you want to see in action. Like, it's... It's not perfect, and this isn't going to do anything and, but harm. And forcing, and forcing two bad choices on people is no way to see the best part of this process. Um, yeah. Again, sound yeah. relevant? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, Hopefully so. And then Ar- Argos is basically like, oh, like, well, that kind of sucks. And then he, he leaves and, he, and is like, I'll probably be back to mess with you some other time. But, like... Yeah. Well, he very specifically says, like, ah, oh, Jen, I've been waiting for you. I, and I don't know that he means you specifically, but just, I think, like, someone Someone like who speaks you. up about it, yeah. Yeah, someone someone who who is willing to engage with me in an actual philosophical discussion here. And let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's yeah. get down and dirty with it, you know? And, like... And I and you get the feeling that that discussion that they have, that the two of them have, whether or not they even end up agreeing on it, but just the fact that 
Jin is able to come in and 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 talk about it and be real and have that like, listen, this is you know this isn't the best. It's not the best. We understand. It's the best we have. Like someday maybe we'll we'll progress and we'll get better. But like you know we're constantly just that he's able to have that discussion and be honest and real about it is what makes this this being be like, oh okay, like there's some hope for you people. Yeah. Right. Like he's the only like, one that challenges him. Right, yeah. right, and and so he's like, okay, you know, maybe maybe next time I come back, there will be more people like you, um, and if there's less, then I'll do what I was gonna do this first time. I'll just kill everyone. Um, but if there's more people like you, like yeah, maybe because doesn't he say he's like from a, a group of planets or something that are like kind of testing people to see if they're ready to join them or something. No, I I don't recall that. Um, I think he just came along. Or does he just he just threatens to come back? I yeah, he did. He had, uh, I mean, it he might be in there. It's, it's been a while. He does threaten to come back, but I I think he was just being like he learned about He's this democratic process and was there to like fuck with it. I <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's. An, I mean, this is another episode that gives you a lot to kind of that is kind of a lot to process. And I, I mean that in, in the best of ways, like, I mean, imagine, I think, I mean, even, it, even in ways that the show obviously didn't or couldn't have intended, but I mean, look at, look at the, look at the state of where we are. I mean, if this happened right now and, and Argos came and said, I will either kill president Trump or blow up this building I mean, like, I, I, I had this conversation with Tom shortly after I watched it. I was like, you think Trump lives? I, I do, but only because of the, the the people that support him, which is which is a sad yeah. part to me. Well, well, yeah, that's that's my point is like, if yeah, this exactly. did happen, I mean, do you think we... Donald Trump would just fire a nuke at Argos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that goes up. I think that's just what would happen. <laughs> this is an episode that like it. It makes you think about the, the specifically to me like the two party system and how a lot of it's broken, but also acknowledging like you can acknowledge the flaws in democracy and there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel like there's a lot of people that aren't they're not okay with it. They're not okay with acknowledging that that it's broken. Yeah, and I think that was my my biggest takeaway from it. And um, I mean, along the same lines, I, I mean, think about what has been going on in Japan for years now at this point. But you know, Shinzo Abe was in office in 2013, and I'm sure there's, you know, I'm sure there's a contingent of people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that you know the. I mean, over here we have the "Make America Great Again" people, and I mean, you know, the, these aren't America exclusive. Uh, problems <laughs> so yeah, isn't it, there's, isn't it there's crazy hero, like there's that? there's hero worship right that, <laughs> that, that you're, you're president of the united states and like you won't to me like you, any any good i don't know parent or whatever would sacrifice themselves for their kids and so you think of a building full of people and like children trump's not doing that like no. <laughs> oh, it's it's it's, in, it's interesting that like Bird said, Shinzo Abe was the prime minister at this point, and at, at no point does the even fictional prime minister of Japan appear in this in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean that, to, that right to there. do 
to do that like cliche thing that you would expect the prime minister to do in a story like this of be like everyone vote to kill me because i want to save everyone you know like yeah yeah no i mean the absence of the prime minister is a a visible or audible being (laughs) at all in this episode is is i that says quite a bit i think yeah yep um painful that this is painful (laughs) so uh the last and final episode hominis Digni dignitati. Yeah, is that like Some a fucking Latin thing? Yeah. God damn it! <laughs> Stop using the de- dead ass language. <laughs> Trying to look all artsy. I can't say this stuff. Um. All right. Who who wants to do this one? It's the last one. I got it. Cause um. So so basically the. Oh yeah, because you just room. watched it like today or something. Yeah, it was yesterday. <laughs> two days ago. <laughs> Um, so, so basically the, the plot revolves around a, a school of children that, that well, they, they discover like this trial, this trilobite looking thing can possibly extend the life of humans and, and make us live like a hundred and what, 44 or something years, uh, years long. And so they start attaching it to these kids and it's kind of like this weird, um, this school where basically all the kids are recluse. They can't go outside. They can't, they have no contact really with anybody. And they have these creatures that attach themselves to like their their neck, but by doing so, allow them to live longer. And the the whole point of it is is they they want to study the effects of this creature. And they it's kind of like a control study because they have some kids that get it, and some kids that don't. And then the twist is we learn that one of our main characters, and I forget the the main guy's name, but he's actually had it this whole time. And so his his thing is when he meets a student, he's um. The school says this girl tries to actually take it off of her neck and she she basically gets frustrated with it. And she tries to like it's almost like a suicide. She she like hangs herself and she um, hang. She wraps this blanket around the the creature that's on her neck and she like rips it out. And so the school calls it the the main character of our show and basically like, hey, you need to convince her to put the same back on. Otherwise, we're going to give her surgery. And by the end of it, we realize that he actually has had one on him the whole time, and he doesn't want that to be part of her life, and so he's trying to save her from it. And so I thought that was a pretty interesting, interesting twist. Yes. Yeah, this, yes, no. this is a this is, no. This is a odd finale, a, kind of. Yeah. Really weird finale. Yeah. Isn't the thing? It's it's what's what's really interesting to me too. Just not real interesting, but just while I was watching it, I was like, huh. Um, the creature is called Soma, which yep, Soma. Uh, is the the name of the berries in uh, Godzilla and Kong, King Kong versus Godzilla, right? Like, yeah, the Soma berries. Soma Soma berries. That was just interesting, but like, yeah. So this is this is all about like, hey, you're gonna be smarter, you're gonna be stronger, you're gonna live longer, and it's like, well, what if I don't want to? <laughs> like. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and, and sort of the, 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 the freedom of, of choice and the freedom of one's own body, um, to do, you know, what they choose for it. Um, it is an interesting finale, right? It doesn't feature our main characters very much. Um, I almost feel like you could flip flop these last two episodes personally, and the, the Argos democracy would almost be a more fitting finale 
mm-hmm. um, because because of the whole like just more philosophical nature of it, and the more like I'll be back someday, someday, someday. You know, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a this is a, another pretty good one. Aren't there like certain? Um, I think there, there there's certain like. Uh, things that you have to like do uh or believe to qualify for that program right yes or you have to like it's like a it's like a a eugenics type of thing yeah Yeah, like like yeah trying to basically breed the new the new humanity here yeah, like it, it, it's it. Uh, I think there's a little bit of stuff in there that you could probably read into, like things like the class system and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, there's probably some more specifically cultural things in it that uh, I probably would have remembered if <laughs> if we recorded this closer to when when I actually watched it, but. Because uh, this is one of the episodes, one of the few episodes that I don't have the best memory of. Um, and I feel like once upon a time, I probably would have had something interesting to say about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the show. It's, uh, you know, it, every episode has a, a slightly different flair to it, but... They all have the same cinematographer, so in general, there's a there's a cohesion yeah. there. Same screenwriter, um, I think, for all of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, there, there's there's a similarity even just in you know, there's not a happy ending really to be found in in I think any of these really. They've all got it's, that kind of. They just kind of, sort of end, but like melancholy show. Yeah, yeah at, at not, most, like depressing. I was say at most the endings are melancholy and and at worst sometimes they're they're outright very dark. Yeah. This one I remember being a little confused by the ending, but it's like like I said my memory is pretty weak on this specific episode so it's like I don't even remember what was confusing about it. But they, is a, is well, they rescued the girl from the the school. Yeah, and uh, he took her to the the carnival. Yeah. yeah, just kind of like. But didn't didn't, didn't he, she wake up again in the clinic? At the end, she does. No, I don't remember that. Oh, did she? Well, she? She goes back to the clinic. Like the, it's weird because like he takes her back to his house to basically provide counseling, and then there, she wakes up in the clinic. And the next day, he actually rescues her from the school, and then he takes off his like his his coat, and he and then you realize that he's had the soma on him the whole time, and he's basically telling her like. I don't want this to be part of your life either. Yeah, so like, I, I've done it myself. It, well, see, yeah, that that was a thing that because like she kind of has a crush on him, and then like uh, there's this whole sequence where he rescues her, and then it's from, and then it turned out it was like a dream or something. Like it she was like wound a flashback almost. Is I this think. the episode where uh, the the guy who's pr- performing all these experiments, and uh, this is my memory of it, but. The guy who's performing all these experiments with the Soma, used to, Jin used to work with him. Yes, yep. right. And he's like, yeah. he's like, listen, you should, you should come back to this. Like, this is the future, and like this, like eugenics and gene analysis and making a better physical body, and like 
advancing this is the advancement of the human race and Jin is and it, that's that's this is like kind of my favorite stuff in this episode because Jin is like I don't I don't want to do that like I don't want to try to heal people quote unquote and make people better quote unquote in a physical sense until I can understand more about the mysteries of the human mind and what makes a person complete or incomplete in their mind because that's so much more important and fulfilling than their physical well-being and then that kind of ties into this girl you know not she doesn't she doesn't care about like being smarter or stronger or living longer yeah she, she just, just like, wants, wants to be a normal be, yeah she wants to be yeah. a normal kid and be happy. there's a there's a subplot with like her friend who kind of resists the soma and then she basically gets put into like she gets extreme treatment and she gets taken away and she gets like injections and stuff and then she kind of becomes a robot so the idea there being like yeah you can live longer but are you really living at all yeah like she's basically really like human. stripped of hum- humanity yeah yeah and um I, I like all that stuff with Jin though and like you know I I became a psychiatrist because I wanted to learn more about the mind you know that's but that's the, the, but the way that's, that that's the uh, portion of this that actually feels like a finale in a way. Yeah, but, but the, gets, yeah. the way that I read that whole, f- uh, uh, like him breaks, he breaks her out and stuff was that that was like a fantasy she was having, and then when he actually got there, like that's when he revealed that like he had one and all that stuff. Because it's not like he would take her back there. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I read it like a flashback, but I, I could see either one. To what? How'd she get back there? <laughs> like, I he either rescued her or she like didn't. Where he first no, no, if, if, if them being back there was a flashback. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's a little confusing. And because, uh, like, when, when they go, when, so, like, that, it ends with, that, that whole sequence ends with them, like, on a carousel, and he's, like, putting on a clown nose, and they're being silly, and then it cuts back to her in the same room, in bed waking up and then Jin enters the room the same way and he's like look I'm not going to let you suffer and then he shows her that he has one and then um and that's then the it, episode, that's the episode. And, yeah and then the episode <laughs> just ends so that's why I, I I'm pretty sure that was a fantasy that she was having because oh, oh my god I mean I, I I get what you're saying I guess I just sort of like when I maybe I'm just not a uh cynical asshole like you bro <laughs> well why why would it why would it go from uh, this happy sequence silly sequence to her waking up in the same bed wearing the same and clothes i, I just I, I choose to have some hope about this episode all right I, I choose to believe that he's like trying to do the best thing for her and he doesn't want the same kind of bullshit for for her life that he's endured for his own life he still is in the real ending he's just not like a superhero he's just like hey i have one of these and i don't want this to happen to you so like leave I mean, it's it's a weird, it's definitely a weird ending. You're, you're probably right, Bird. I just like, man, it just it it hurts to think that. I guess that's what this show is. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. are you, you you're you're realizing this in episode twelve? <laughs> <laughs> this show's awesome. Yes, this is my this is my favorite thing with the word ultra attached to it. So yeah, that that is all the episodes that we we discussed, and uh, I mean, if, if the show is excellent, uh, 
And, I mean, I don't know. I've seen some people, not many. I mean, now that it's available widely in the U.S., you know, most people that I, I've seen, you know, commenting or whatever that have gotten it uh, have set, have really liked it. But I have seen the odd here and there, like, where's the all the kaiju, like, kind of, you know, comments from people and... You know, it, it it probably helps to realize, like, hey, that's not all this is. And, in fact, there's only a handful of episodes that feature any kaiju at all. Um, you're more... Uh, I, I would mark, recommend it more to people that like things like, you know, Outer Limits, Twilight Zone, or, or some of the non-kaiju episodes of the original Ultra Q. Um, or if you just like that kind of, like, really heady philosophical science fiction... Um, I wouldn't be able to recommend it enough. I mean, the Blu-ray set is only 15 bucks, and, like, I, I think, it, like, everyone should probably just go get it if they haven't, right? I mean, I... It's cheap, like, it's, it's worth a buy, in my opinion. Yeah. For what, 20 bucks? Yeah, 15, like, uh, or this even less amazing. in some, some places, yeah. so... I mean, I... I 15 bucks for a, a solid sci-fi show? Like, come on. As far as, and as far as tokusatsu stuff of any type from, what, the 2010s? I mean, it's got to be one of the very best things that came out of any, any franchise or any, any, anything, really, right? Yeah. I'd agree, so. Like, I, I can't think of anything that would top it, personally. Yeah, it is fourteen ninety nine on Amazon right now. Go buy it. You have no excuse not to. If you're listening to this, you should you should buy it. And and it's it's twelve episodes. Um, they're half hour each. Uh, they're all very rewatchable, just because there's so much to chew on in each one. Um, I mean, it's and even the and even like the less heady ones, right? Like. I'd say Mr. Brethren Laundry Day is one of the less heady ones. Like, that one is just so much goddamn fun. Why wouldn't <laughs> you want to watch that one just over and over until your eyes fall out of their sockets? Like, <laughs> So, around, I guess around the room, uh, top three episodes. Um, Tom, you start. Ooh, I got my top two. What's my three? Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, ooh. Um, I'm going to say... The Tokyo Protocol, but then Laundry Day, and then The Extremely Smelly Island. Those are my top two, for sure. Um... Yeah, it's it's between the Tokyo Protocol or Pandora's Cave. I I might be due for a rewatch of of Pandora's Cave just to just to kind of confirm which one of those two it might be. Um, but Laundry Day at number two. I mean, the sh- that episode is just so much damn fun. And then the Extremely Smelly Island. I watched the end of that episode, like from the. Setagon massacre to the end. I watched that part like five or six times. <laughs> I mean, it was just so. The first time I saw that that twist ending, it was it was like I my my jaw dropped. It was so shocking. Um, 
apologies, I guess, for ruining it for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Um, but, you know, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> um, that episode just blows my mind. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, okay. Um, I'll do mine next. Mine, I would say uh, Laundry Day... Then probably extremely smelly island and oof yeah this is third one's where it's tough right um uh probably probably the Argus democracy yeah that's a good one too all right uh Connor top three Neo Ultra Q all right top three. Um, I'd say Pandora's Hole, Laundry Day, and Argos Democracy. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Taguchi's other two episodes are really good, too. Uh, uh, again, it's Quo Vades, the one of the reincarnation ones, another really good one. Just, it's kind of hard to pick for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, Matt, top three. Uh, Tokyo Protocol, Extremely Smelly Island. Um, laundry day, and then a fourth would be like uh, Quo Vadis or whatever. The first episode that's that's really excellent. So that's kind of a dark horse. It's unanimous that Laundry Day is one of the best. <laughs> laundry episodes, day is church <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, are there any aliens or monsters that are favorites? Predagon. Oh, Mr. Yeah. Brethren. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Brethren, Brethren, Mara, fucking Argos. Like, I like the concept of the Soma. Like, a lot of of really cool creatures in this show. Yeah. Even if there's, like, only three, like, honestly, only really one true kaiju here. Yeah, right, right. If we're, you know, being really strict about size and everything. Yeah, but we the don't want to get into the. Really cool. Yeah, we don't want to get gonna... in. They're all freaking kaiju. We don't want to get into the. Uh, what is it? The is Clifford a kaiju? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. We're not touching this discourse um, tonight. But no, I, excellent show. The gastropods are cool. The um, you know, Mister Brotherin is awesome, and Setagon. Yeah, if I, you I, those know, if are I my. Did, those, those are probably my three favorites. Um, and Argus because he's a dick. Um. But I no, I this is an excellent show. I mean, it's really it's really cinematic more so than a lot of the ultra stuff. Um uh it's uh, it's got great characters, great storylines, great twists, great allegory and uh I mean, it's obvious. I don't think any of us can recommend it enough. So, uh and and yeah, your your kids aren't going to be enthralled by like the the conflict between good and evil and the washed out color palette of pandora's hole or pandora's cave they're not gonna gonna, and they're not gonna understand the argos democracy one but like the rest of the episodes aren't that like there's there's definitely heady topics and i think that's like kind of one of those things where it's it's that's kind of the mark of something that's really good right is is it doesn't just live and die by its heady topics like like Laundry Day or the Smelly Island. The Smelly Island is a really good example of like there's some heady topics there, and you know, talking about greed and exploitation and uh, and, and, and things like that. And then it's also just like an entertaining episode of a sci-fi show, just straightforward without digging into that stuff. And 
there's a lot of episodes like that, right? So there, yeah, your your kids aren't gonna aren't gonna give a rat's ass about you know <laughs> good versus evil in a washed out color palette, sitting and talking to each other for thirty minutes, and they're not gonna care about some dude shouting at a, a mirror orb about how democracy sucks. <laughs> but uh, but you know they're they're gonna think that Mr. Brethren is damn cool, and they're gonna like. Uh, Setagon, and they're gonna think that the gastropods are like these ugly, cute monster things, and they're probably gonna like the action-driven episode of of Memories Are Crossing the Planet, which is like a you know probably the most like sci-fi action episode that yeah. there is. So there's 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 stuff for you know both walks of life here. Yeah. <clears throat> so um. How many uh uh oof, how many damn what's Puked a good up one? soap bubbles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many how much uh how much soap vomit <laughs> do you get the do you give this out of five? I know that grammatically that question made no sense, but whatever. I, I mean I, I'm gonna go first. I uh, it, it's a solid four and a half out of five. It's probably my second favorite Ultra thing beh- behind Ultra Q, the original. And like it, it for for being such a short show, like there, there's really no stinkers in here. Like there's not there's not an episode that you watch and like, well, that sucked. That was a waste of time. Like every one of them makes you think, and even the predictable ones, like I, I still really enjoyed. So it's it's definitely worth worth your time. Hmm. Tom, what about you? Oh, it's a five. This is a hard five. This is <laughs> that was like a, yeah. this is my favorite anything ultra. Um and I and that includes the original Ultra Q. I love the original Ultra Q. <clears throat> I, I really like the original Ultraman. I've seen uh four whole episodes of Ultra Seven. Um <laughs> so I'm I'm not you know, I'm not like uh I'm not Connor over here, but um this this show is incredible. It's uh, like I said. It it I love when something can appeal to to both sides of uh, the type of person that that this fandom generally draws. Right, this fandom generally draws the people who are like, I really like looking at the cool effects, but I also really want characters I care about, and I want you know it to sci-fi and to push the boundaries of of kind of what we think of with sci-fi i mean that's what the original gojira tried to do you know and that's kind of the thing that kicked off all of this and that makes us all fans and then there's the people who are like oh i just like to look at the pretty suits and set design and you know the 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 action part of it and there's stuff that appeals to those kind of people in this too i think um and that's the mark of a great tokusatsu something to me and um this this is fantastic i loved it um you know i'm gonna go with a five also uh the original ultra q is see it's hard like the original ultra q uh just because it has like it's it's got more episodes so there's more tendency for the odd filler episode here and there and this uh, this show has like so few episodes it's almost like a mini series 
but just the for the sake of that consistency among the 12 i would give it a five even though i might prefer the original just because i like the you know the the more uh, the black and white and the more surreal kind of twilight zone cinematography and stuff like that but um I mean, Ultra Q just in general is my jam. I mean, even the movie I, I thought had a whole lot to offer. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm just gonna come out and give it a a, a five. Uh, is that Connor? Did you go? Did everyone yep. go? I I haven't gone yet. Okay. Um, I will say safely after watching uh, pretty much every Ultraman show, um, I would give this a five out of five. I think you know it's. It's not the longest entry in the franchise, um, and it's it's very different than quite a bit of it. But I think it's a very profound show, and it has a lot of stories that you know, like like Tom said, will make you think. It will appeal to all kinds of people, and uh, it's 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 something really unique. I think you know if if you're wanting a really interesting uh, tokusatsu experience that isn't just you know watching big guys wrestle each other. Um, I think Neil Ultra Q is what you're after. Like It's basically as if someone took all the really great episodes from all these different shows and put them all into one one show. Like There's no stinkers. Nothing feels like a wasted episode. Um, please buy it. It's only $15 on Amazon. Uh, yeah, so I'd I give it a 5 out of 5. All right. Think about all the shows we com- we just compared it to. Twilight Zone, Outer Limits. We threw some Black Mirror references in there. I mean, I, I think a lot of these episodes we talk about just just the the Android one, but there's a few other like the Tokyo Protocol could damn near be a, 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 a Black Mirror kind of episode. You know, I mean, um, the 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 Hominus Dignitati episode could almost be a Black Mirror. Like, it, there's I, there's some shows that are popular today that owe, whether consciously or not, right? But that owe like at yeah. least some of of what they're doing to to this. Like they've they, or or if they don't owe what they're doing to this, they've got their hands in the same pot, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. This so is the kind there's, of thing there's... that if it if it didn't maybe maybe if it if this came out of nowhere and wasn't attached to you know this big franchise or whatever and just was this random anthology show that went on Netflix like it would be, probably be like some kind of pop culture sensation here you know think well especially if it come yeah. out in the last like five six yeah months, like think right? think mm-hmm. about the the following that shows like Black Mirror like have gotten and i if 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 people like black mirror they would probably like neo ultra q whether they're you're a kaiju fan or not yeah and like i said like especially if especially if this had dropped on netflix or something in the last like five six months have we all been sitting here with our thumbs up our asses (laughs) just watching our president slowly grow more insane by the day right freaking Tiger King was the biggest thing on Earth for a while, and like, kind of nostalgic for that time period now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that feel like nostalgic. it was so long ago? <laughs> nostalgic I know. for six months. It really ago. does. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, Neo Ultra Q is amazing. Uh, we are unanimous in thinking it's amazing. And you should and probably will also. So, um, all right. I, I guess that I guess that's all we got. I guess the next Ultra thing we'll talk about is probably going to be, what, Ace? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Connor, you have an open invite to come talk about Ace. Excellent. I have <laughs> many opinions about that show. All right. All right. Well, uh, all right. Well, that wraps us up for, for today. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.